Let's turn in our Bibles to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13, let's hear the word of the Lord, and we'll begin our reading at verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son, and now drink no wine or strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord, and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us, and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that speakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine. Neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee, until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, thou, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. 
For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name, that when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honour? And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering, and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass, when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended into the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it, and fell in their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have showed us all these things, nor would, as at this time, have told us such things as these. And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan, between Zorah and Eshtaol. Amen. We know that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own infallible and inerrant word. Now this evening... I am beginning a study of the last major judge mentioned in the book of Judges. His name, of course, is Samson. Samson, by the way, young people, means sunny or sunshine. Samson, sadly, although he's born with really a, a silver spoon in his mouth, he is literally a walking contradiction. There's no doubt that Samson was a unique, peculiar character, who was destined for great things. He was especially chosen by God. His life was marked by great victories, and yet sadly also marked by great vices. He was a man controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, and yet a man also controlled at times by the weakness of the flesh. Samson was the strongest man who ever lived according to the Bible, and yet he was also the weakest. Samson was a man dedicated to God from the day of his birth. Yet he was also a man who was dedicated to himself to the very day of his death. Sadly, Samson's life is a truthful, terrible tale of a man demanding his own way and doing his own thing. Samson had a weakness for ungodly women. He pursued his weakness with a reckless abandonment until the very Spirit of God departed from him. And yet amazingly, the Lord in grace worked in Samuel's life. Did you know that he's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32 as a man of faith? There's no doubt that Samson was a saved man, an Old Testament believer. And yet at times in his life he was badly backslidden. His life at times displayed willful unfaithfulness toward the Lord. So he's really like a, a complex, puzzling individual. A man who was undisciplined, 
undependable and really unpredictable. And he's a good example of what a true believer ought not to be. And yet if the truth be told, when we think about Samson's life, his testimony, even his infidelity, the reality is, if we're truthful, it represents many of us at times in our walk with the Lord. And it's my prayer that some of us, especially myself, will see our life reflected in the mirror of Samson's life. And as we look into the mirror of God's word and see the life of Samson, we might see something and learn something about ourselves. So tonight I want to begin at the beginning. I want us to notice, first of all, the details surrounding Samson's birth. And my text tonight is really taken from Judges chapter 13, verses 3 through to 5. But the rest of the chapter, of course, has a bearing on what I want to say. I want to entitle this message then, The Birth of a Judge. There's three things as I've read the chapter. I want you to think about the announcements of Samson's birth. You see, Judges 13 records a detailed, lengthy introduction of Samson as one of Israel's judges. It's interesting that all the other judges were merely introduced to us as adults. But Samson's birth was different. Samson's birth was announced. And the, the whole life of Samson, of course, found in Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16, four chapters. And yet, out of that, one quarter of the whole story of Samson's life of fullness and failure was taken up with his birth. We learn more about his birth and background than any of the other judges. We're forced to think then about his birth, his origin. His family, his background. I want you to notice that this was a heavenly announcement. If you look at chapter 13, verses 2 to 5, it says, And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, now I want you to think of this. A barren woman who was nameless, we're simply told she's the wife of a man by the name of Noah, and she was visited by the angel of the Lord, and she was told that she was going to give birth to a son. This announcement, this promise of a son was later confirmed to her husband, and you can read that confirmation, chapter 13, verses 8 to 14. Samson's mother is being told that although she's barren, she's going to be used of the Lord. If you look at verse 
3 it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman. We'll ask the question, who is this? If you notice the word Lord is in capitals. And we have to say confidently, this is a pre-incarnation appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we call in theological terms a Christophany. If you look at verse 18, Manoah asked this angel about his name. Why askest thou after my name, seeing it is secret? And if you look at the margin of your Bible, it says, Wonderful. Doesn't Isaiah 9 and 6 say, And his name shall be called Wonderful, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. This angel of the Lord's name is Wonderful. And verse 19 tells us, And the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. He says in verse 22, We shall surely die because we have seen God. Now, now here's the Lord Jesus. And he steps out of eternity in a pre-incarnation form. And he comes into our time, into our world. And he brings good news Till a hopeless couple. There's a barren, nameless woman. And he's got good news for her. And the news is he's going to conceive and bear a son. This woman was just an ordinary woman. She wasn't famous. She was not well known. She's not named in the Bible. It's not interesting. And yet the Lord is going to use her to bring forth a son. And that son's going to do a great work for God in bringing about a deliverance of the children of Israel at this time. Good news to a barren woman. Isn't it strange that the angel of the Lord emphasized her barrenness? She knew it, as we'll hear a little later. It represented a, 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 a reproach. It, it represented shame. It was a, a stigma to the woman. And yet now after all this time, married to this man called Manoah from the tribe of Dan, that she's going to conceive and bear a son. And the good news came from Christ himself. Of course, this is not the first time he appeared to people in the Old Testament. We could think about Hagar, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Isaiah, the three Hebrew children, Daniel, Zechariah. They all had Christophanies, that is pre Incarnate appearances of the Lord Jesus in the flesh. This news of Samson's birth was not the only one to come directly from heaven. Didn't Abraham learn about the birth of Isaac through such an announcement? Didn't Zacharias learn about the birth of John the Baptist through such an announcement? And of course that brings us to the heart of the gospel story. Luke 1 and 13. Mary and Joseph learn that, that Jesus Christ is going to come into the world through such an announcement. When God wants to do something great, something wonderful in the world, he doesn't send an army. He doesn't use armaments. He sends an angel with a message. The Lord, of course, knows exactly what we need. And this angel of the Lord was called Wonderful. That was his name. And this angel of the Lord can and will do wonderful things. 
in grace and love and mercy for his people. Another reason, of course, we know that it was God in the flesh. The angel of the Lord received the worship of Manoah and his wife. The angel of the Lord also accepted and received the sacrifice that they offered. Here's the Lord coming and announcing the birth of the next judge. It was a heavenly announcement. And when this woman hears the news, I want you to notice what she does. She runs to tell her husband. Verse 6, Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, The word then is hotan in the Hebrew. It means at that exact moment. The wife runs to tell Manoah of the coming of the angel. She, she describes the meeting. She, she relates the message. She talks about the mandate that she got. She, she, she goes and tells him. She talks about the birth of a son. Notice the husband here. Does he get mad at her? Does he tell her, woman, you're out of your mind. You're barren. You'll never have a child. Does he, does he ask her, have you been on the booze? He says, woman, you don't know what you're talking about. No, none of these things. Do you know what he does? It says, verse 8, Then at that time Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. He called on the Lord. He asked the Lord to send the angel again. He, he, he wanted it confirmed. He believed what his wife had told him. It was a heavenly announcement. Notice also, it was a hopeful announcement. Let me link it up. In chapter 13, verse 1, we read, And the angel of the Lord did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. I want you to think about the state of the land of Israel at this time. Once again, the children of Israel had turned their back on the Lord. Once again, because of sin, they did evil once more in the sight of the Lord. In fact, they, they did evil in the sight of the Lord as mentioned eight times in the book of Judges. And you know what their evil was? They served Balaam. And other gods. And they forsook the Lord. So there was apostasy and idolatry in the land. And it's hard to imagine that, that the covenant people of the Lord would allow such of a state of apostasy to emerge and such idolatry to raise its head. And yet, that was the history of the children of Israel. That's the, the life cycle of the um, children of Israel. They, they were ruined by falling into sin. And then there was the... the um, Retribution by the hand of the enemy. And then there was repentance. They're crying unto God. And then God raised up a deliverer. You know this had been going on for 40 years. Isn't that what it says in verse 1? And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines. 40 years. 40 years. And yet after all this period of time had taken place, there's an announcement about the birth of a deliverer. Welcome news, you would say. 
welcome word from God. God hasn't forgotten his people. God hasn't forsaken his people. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is going to revive and restore. God is going to deliver and save. You know, God has devised a plan and purpose even for our own wee land, for our own church. The Bible tells us, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and to them who are the called according to his purpose. God's in control. This is God's church. And, and, and as far as the country is concerned, the Lord is in absolute control. And yes, it's true that bad doctrine leads to bad decisions. It's true that bad creeds lead to bad conduct. Bad belief leads to bad behaviour. But in the midst of the state of the land, given to apostasy, given to idolatry, is the promise of a deliverer. I want you to think secondly and quickly, not only the announcement of Samson's birth, but but the arrangements for Samson's birth. You see, it involved a miracle. If you look with me there at verse 3. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren, and bearest not. In other words, you're childless. But thou shalt conceive and bear a son. It's, it's not even bear a child. You're going to have a baby boy. You see, being barren in those days, ladies, was considered a curse. It represented a great shame. It was a big stigma. It was really seen as a judgment from God upon you as an individual, probably upon your home, upon your husband. Some people would have thought, well, that woman must have done something really bad in her life for the Lord to punish her in that way. And you see, that was the thinking. In the Old Testament times, every woman wanted the same thing. And that was to be a wife and a mother. And there's no higher calling or no greater calling for a womanhood even of today. And, and, and in the Old Testament, what they wanted to be was a wife and a mother and bear sons for their husband. To be the woman through whom God would eventually send the Messiah. But to be barren, to be childless, crush that grain, destroy that hope. To be barren, of course, meant that you were living under the threat of a instant divorce. What if your husband died? You would be a lonely widow. You would live a life of extreme poverty. And of course, no man willingly or knowingly would marry such a woman. So, so it was a very harsh life for a woman to be barren. And yet we're told that this unnamed woman is going to have a baby and not only going to have a baby but going to have a baby son see, see God knew and this unnamed woman was going to have a baby son who was going to be a judge in the land of Israel and deliver Israel from the Philistines who were living in five main cities at that time what a promise a baby Going to be a deliverer. You say to me, babies are weak. That's correct. Babies are helpless. That's correct. Babies are dependent upon adults. That's correct. But this is God's way. And isn't it wonderful 
Doesn't the Bible tell us there in the book of Corinthians? For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised as God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And you see, when we think about God's plan, to save this world from the penalty and the power and the pleasure and one day from the presence of sin. God the Father sent his only begotten Son into the world. John 3 and 16 comes to mind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And at the heart of that plan was the birth of baby Jesus. And that baby was God manifest in the flesh. Didn't the Bible say great is the mystery of godliness? God was manifest in the flesh. You see, here's just a wee thought of encouragement tonight. God cares about the people that the world sees as nobodies. The people who are not famous. The people who are not rich, millionaires or billionaires. Ordinary people, ordinary, hard-working, honest individuals who, who love the Lord, who, who have trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior. God sees you tonight. God knows all about you. He's fully aware of your situation and your circumstance. And in his time, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And that plan will come to pass. And who knows, as a wife or a mother, through the birth of a son or a daughter, that son or daughter could become a missionary of the gospel. That that son or daughter could be a, a minister of the, the, the gospel. He, he could be a, an elder of the church, a, a, a worker for God, a, a street evangelist, a door-to-door -door worker. God has a plan. And it involved a miracle. It also involved a mandate. If you look with me at Judges chapter 13 verse 4. He says now therefore beware I pray thee and drink not wine or strong drink and eat not any unclean thing. For those thou shalt conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now there's a difference between being a Nazarite and a Nazarene. A Nazarene, as the Lord Jesus was, he was born in, uh, or born in Bethlehem but lived in the north of Galilee in the town of Nazareth. That's why he was called a, a Nazarene. But this news about Samson's birth involved a, a mandate and the mandate was connected to the Nazarite vow. And the woman was told, you must abstain from wine, from strong drink and from any unclean thing. Verse 4. And the child is going to be a Nazarite from the womb. And that was, of course, explained and repeated to Manoah by the angel of the Lord, um, chapter 13 and in the verse uh, 14. And the Nazarite vow was taken from Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. And it was a voluntary vow made by any man or woman of the children of Israel in those days. And while the vow was in effect... 
That individual was wholly dedicated to the Lord. And that vow could be for a short period of time. And the Apostle Paul used the Nazarite vow twice. Acts 18, 18, Acts 21, 23, 24. But the vow could also be for the whole of the life. And the angel of the Lord told her, told Manoah, that this Nazarite vow will be for the whole of Samson's life. Is not what he said? For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Now, now that's important. In other words, his, his entire life is going to be holy, consecrated unto the Lord. The child is not to drink wine or strong drink. He's not to partake even of the fruit of the vine. He's not to touch a dead body or a dead carcass. He's not to cut his hair. He's not to shave with a razor. You know, sadly, Samson grew up new in this code. His mother knew the code. The father knew the code. But Samson, while he knew the code, didn't follow the conduct. He was to separate himself unto the Lord every day. He was to fulfill this vow unto the Lord. But that was part of his problem. He didn't do that. He, yes, he knew the code, but he didn't follow in the conduct. Now, we believe, of course, in the Free Presbyterian Church and ecclesiastical separation, separation from apostasy. We also believe in personal separation, holiness unto the Lord. If we're saved and washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus, then we belong to the Lord. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God has given us a code, but he expects us to follow that code with conduct. It involved a miracle. It involved a, a mandate. It also involved a ministry. This baby boy was to be the next judge of Israel. Isn't it strange that God chose a baby? Not a fully grown man. Not a military expert. Not one trained to fight. Not, not one hardened to the battle. But a baby. A baby that was going to be raised in a godly home. This baby was gifted with a praying father. It says in verse 8, Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord. This baby had a godly mother who, who told the news of the birth of this child immediately to her husband. This child was to be raised for the glory and honour of the Lord. Who knows? This child was going to be a deliverer. The Lord knew. And who knows the children in our home could be the next Luther that the church needs or, or the next Dean Paisley or the next Charles Haddon Spurgeon or the next mighty man of God in the land. See, none of us know what God has sent into our home. He sent this baby to be raised in a godly home. Involved in ministry. He had a future ministry. But his parents had a ministry in bringing up the child. And, and that's what Manoah was talking about when he said, 
O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we should do unto the child that shall be born. And notice thirdly and lastly, the accomplishment of Samson's birth. Let's come right down to the end of the chapter. It says in verse 24, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. His birth was realised. God kept his promise. See, God always keeps his promises. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen. And there's about 7,300 promises in the book. And it was the angel of the Lord, Christ himself, who gave the promise to the woman, Thou shalt conceive and bear a son. She didn't have a girl. She had a baby boy. Just as Christ had predicted. He always keeps his promise. He can't lie. He stands by every promise. We, we can lean our weight on, on, on every promise. You think of what Galatians says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. The name Samson, young people, means sunshine or sunny or or like the sun isn't that interesting here was a ray of sunshine born into this home here was a ray of sunshine born into a, a land that was in spiritual apostasy and spiritual idolatry and this young boy was to grow up shining for god you think of the little chorus being a sunbeam for Jesus. Well, that's just what Samson was like. Do you know what the Bible tells us? Train up a child in the way in which he shall go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. The Bible talks about being brought up in the nurture and the fear and admonition of the Lord. What child was raised up in Manoah's home with his nameless wife? There was a boy called Sunshine who was going to be a sunshine for God. His birth was realised one day. I want you to notice quickly here that there, there, there was a relationship in the birth. It, it, it says, and the child grew and the Lord blessed him. Do you know that statement's not made about any other judge in the book of Judges? God had a hand on his life. And the Lord blessed him. And what a wonderful thing it is to know the blessing of God early in life. To know that God's hand is upon you. To, to know that you're set apart to be a sunshine for God. And think about the reward in the birth. It says in verse 25, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtokol. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. You know what that word move means? It means to, to, to impel him. It, it means to thrust him forth. It, it means to, to push him forward. As Samson made himself available to the Lord in the area of Dan, uh, which is the least of the tribes, the smallest of the tribes, and yet it was there he began to work. It was there he began to, to realize that the Spirit of God 
had a very important work for him to do. Isn't uh, verse uh, 5 uh, telling us a statement and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistine. He's to make a start. As soon as he's old enough, this was the Lord's reward. God had his hand on a young man. I wonder tonight as we finish, what's your relationship to the Lord like? Are you saved tonight? Do you know and love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Was there a time when you said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner? And now because you're saved, and as you live out your life, a life of faith in your body, you're sold out to the Lord. You're, you're 100% for him. You're totally committed to him. You're totally consecrated to him. It's like you've taken this Nazarite vow to yourself, and you've made it uh, your own personal vow. You make yourself available to the Lord. And like Isaiah, you can say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. I wonder what our relationship was like to the Holy Spirit. We're born of the Spirit. We're indwelt by the Spirit. We can be filled with the Spirit of God, and that's what we need. And, and what we need in our churches, what we need in our congregations, is for the Spirit of God to work. And when the Spirit of God begins to move us, how do we respond? To humble ourselves before the Lord. Do we ask the Lord to help us, to, to show us, to guide us the way so that we're not led of the flesh, we're, we're, we're led by the Spirit? We could ask another question, what is our relationship like with our children? You see, I wonder in Manoah's home, him and his wife after this child was born, were, were they overwhelmed with the birth of a boy? Did, did they raise Samson as a spoiled brat? Did they fail to instill within him the law of God? He knew the code, but he never followed its conduct. At least he didn't do it wholeheartedly. Did he get all that he wanted? Did they raise him as a sinner who needed to be saved? Who told and taught him the way of salvation? Because that's important. We could give our children everything they want and yet miss out on the most important thing, their soul salvation, being in a right relationship with the Lord. What's our relationship like with our, our spouses, husband to wife? Is husband and wife best friends in the home, soulmates, that, that they live for God and pray together? See, see, all these things flow out of this chapter. Here's the announcement. A heavenly announcement, a hopeful announcement in a dark day. Here was the achievement. There was a miracle involved. A mandate, a ministry was going to start. And it was accomplished. God brought the birth to pass. There was a relationship between the child and the Lord. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. Oh, that we could have children grow up with the Lord's blessing upon them. The hand of God in their life. And them aware of it. God has raised up me to be a sunshine in the darkness. Oh, to shine for the Lord in our corners. In our day and generation. Know to know that the Lord's reward, that the Spirit of God is using us for the Lord's glory. What's our relationship like to the Lord, to the Spirit of God, to our children, to one another? I leave all these questions for you. And I trust that the Lord will take these few thoughts and bless them to your heart this evening.